today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about managing the conflict that comes along with organizational change. And I'm talking specifically about the kind of change that's outside of people's control. So not so much like somebody applying for a different position within the company, but the kind of situation where a manager might need to tell a staff member that their position is changing. There might be an organizational restructure going on or some other sort of significant a change, I guess, at a significant scale that affects a number of people. But even changing things like maybe reorganizing plans for that afternoon, there are some situations and some personalities that you'll deal with where that can really cause things to become unbalanced. They might react and become upset, whether that's sort of on the angry, frustrated, aggressive type of continuum or maybe it's more the sign of distress and feeling overwhelmed and a little bit helpless. Of course, these are all situations where we want to avoid, but if we're noticing somebody's having these types of reactions to change, what we want to do is to make sure that our response is a good fit for what they're needing. Of course, if we misread the cues as to what's going on for the other person, like for example, they're expressing frustration, and we jump in and say something like, oh, come on, this change will be much better than you expect, you'll see. What we're risking there is being sucked into a me against you type of debate where the more that we argue the positives of this change, of course, the invitation is for the other person to jump in and start arguing the negatives. And so in the podcast today, I'll talk about the process that people go through when they're dealing with change that's outside of their control, how this can affect conflict and maybe go through a number of different examples along those lines as well uh, about each of the different changes and the behaviors that you might notice. And then what I'll do is explain what people need in terms of support, depending on where they are, which then gives you information about how to respond. Sound good? Before we get into that topic, though, just a big thank you, as always, for listening. I'm very grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best thing that you can do is just leave us a positive review and subscribe to the podcast if you're listening at the moment without subscribing. Uh, Those are both just really nice helps for a tiny little podcast like this to send a couple of cues to the algorithm that this might be something that's worth, worth listening to. If you'd like to get in touch, maybe you've got an idea for a future episode of the podcast. Is there a particularly difficult person that you're dealing with or maybe a challenging situation? And I'm more than happy to cover case studies or situations both on the work side of things, so managing staff or if you're owning a small business or something like that, or dealing with conflict on the personal side. Any of those different topics, I guess, if there's something that resonates with you, you can shoot me an email and the email address is podcast at simongood.com. And that spelling of my name is S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E.com. All right, let's get into that topic. So there are a number of different models and frameworks that psychologists use to analyze and understand change within organizations. But my favorite framework, particularly when we're thinking about conflict, is based on the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross model. She was a psychologist in the 60s who studied grief. And so you're probably familiar with the stages of grief model that she came up with. Shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance from memory. I can remember there's a Simpsons episode where Homer eats a poison puffer fish and thinks that he's going to die. And he goes through all of those different stages overnight before he realizes that it wasn't actually poisoned. I think the Simpsons has probably covered most of the different topics that I talk about when I do conflict resolution training, actually. Um, So she had these idea of these stages that people go through. These days, I think most counselors probably don't think about grief in such a linear way. And maybe they would adapt that model even if they do use it. 
For organizational psychologists, though, there have been a number of different studies showing correlations between some of those stages and common reactions that you might observe in staff. At the beginning, it's shock. That's followed by denial. The third stage is frustration. The fourth is depression or helplessness, I guess. The fifth is experiment. And then the sixth is decision. And I suppose that experiment and decision might then lead to integration. So if you think about a simple example, maybe uh, setting up a new document management system, for example, that might affect a number of staff. Well, possibly at the beginning you announce it and some staff might have just surprise. It's like, where's this come from? It's out of the blue. There might be an element of confusion about the sudden announcement of why. Um, and it's possible that some staff will just get the email or hear it mentioned at the meeting and probably just think like, oh yeah, let's see, <laughs> you know, probably even just a lack of confidence in the fact that this change is actually going to happen, which then often leads to the second stage, which is denial. Uh, some staff might, for example, think that the new system won't be implemented correctly or that it's not necessary. And so they might have a plan to continue to just use the old system. Sometimes that's sort of an assumption that someone else will fix their problem for them. Like, oh, no, no, I'll just use the paper version of my forms. I'm sure Marianne won't mind scanning them in for me manually. You know, we've worked together now for 10 years or something like that. And unfortunately, I think sometimes new information often triggers the end of that denial phase once the staff member realises that no, Marianne is not prepared to manually scan all of their forms in each day, um, then they're going to need to use the new system. And what do you know? That goes right into that third stage, which is often frustration. You might have staff struggling with the idea of learning the new system. They might be just feeling like it's completely illogical and who the heck made this decision and bought such a crappy piece of software. Oh my goodness, I've tried to log in 16 times now and it still won't accept my password. The following stage then often is connected to almost like the heat burns out burns out of that frustration and it starts to look more like depression. It's like the anger transforms into this helpless state where you're sitting there just feeling down and depressed, but not probably motivated to do anything about it. At work, you might see staff in this stage isolating themselves. They might feel overwhelmed and helpless or you might just notice patterns in behaviour, potentially an increase in absenteeism, for example, or maybe presenteeism where staff show up but do the bare minimum. And they might, as you're talking about the change, express their own inability to deal with it. Like, I just can't do it. All the young people are good at dealing with that kind of stuff, but not me. Um, yeah, yeah, easy for you to say you're not the one going through it. The fifth stage experiment might be the staff actually logging in and finding, finally figuring out how to reset their password so they've got one that works at least temporarily until they forget it again. And there's probably a tentative element to that experimenting. They log in, but you know you can probably hear the sound of rolling eyeballs back into their head at the first sign of anything that's even slightly frustrating. Um, and there might be a mix of success and failures, and sometimes people bounce from that experiment stage back, back to the frustration and it's sometimes not straight into then the depression. It's sometimes just frustration experiment, frustration experiment. But sometimes you can bounce between all of the different stages. I tend to use that word stages because that's typically what's talked about in these kind of frameworks. But of course, I'm not meaning to imply that it's linear. 
people do not necessarily progress through the different stages in this linear way. So it might be that someone's up at experiment and then back at denial for a while. When they investigate, surely there's another software that we could be using. I'll go and talk to the CTO or whatever and make sure he changes this. And then again, once reality sinks in that, oh no, the CTO is not prepared to change systems. This costs several you know, 10 times more than I expected that it would have. So it makes sense why we're stuck with it for now. And then probably back to the frustration. (laughs) So staff go from that experimenting, at least they're willing to give it a go. And then the decision and integration, it's, it's a gradual thing. So there's no discrete stages, particularly for this end of the curve, I think. But I think that often starts to be a shift in focus away from how things used to be towards how things are or how things will be. So instead of complaining about the old software and how after all it didn't have any problems and what was the big deal with it anyway, they stop moaning about that every time it's mentioned in a meeting, for example. They might still have a sour look on their face, but that would be a sign that at least maybe they're moving towards that integration. So the decision is like maybe you'd think about it as the rational bit of the brain accepting it, And then the integration is maybe the emotional bit of the brain accepting it where they don't feel like the victim anymore. It's just, this is the way it is. Now, the next step is to think about what do staff need when they're in these different situations? When staff or other people really that you're dealing with who are going through change are in the shock and denial, the first couple of stages, what's most helpful for them is clear and frequent information and updates. So this is the change. This is how it will affect you. This is why it's been brought in, if that's relevant. Maybe not too much about that, but a little bit of the reasons why. You might include things like this is not negotiable. This is a organization-wide decision, something like that, just to kind of explain the fact that this will affect you. This is what we don't know for now. This is when we're coming through with another update. This is what you need to do to prepare. It's really focusing on the practical information as much as possible. And I say frequent and updates and probably reminders could go in there too, because people need to be told this information more than once. Doing it by email and then having a face-to-face meeting and maybe having a time that you're available for staff to ask questions or a online message board that's sort of a shared message board that people can see a question that someone else has asked and then your response. I mean, just think in terms of structure, the way that you communicate and maybe bringing in other people as well, just to make sure that the communication around this change isn't going to leave anything to slip through the gaps. And what I'm talking about there is both an actual misunderstanding, like there's a mismatch of expectations. Oh, I didn't think that applied to me. But we also want to avoid someone feeling like they have a potential excuse for not dealing with this. Like as much as possible, it's like, this is what's happening. This is what's expected. You know, this is how we'll be checking. You could say at that stage, even in the past, we've had challenges getting all staff on board. Again, we just want to emphasize this. So if anyone's not able to do it in the first week, please let us know ahead of time. Otherwise, you might start to see the bad cop in the IT department you know, Meredith coming around and wrapping knuckles or whatever. So it's just kind of saying this is how much even flexibility we're willing to offer. Like I'll give you a week, but beyond that, the expectation is that you'll all be logged in by then and moved over to this new system. So that's all effective because it stops people from getting stuck in that head in the sand shock or the denial, this isn't my problem. For the next two stages, the frustration and depression, what tends to be most helpful for people is acknowledgement, validation, empathetic listening, and then a shift towards the solution and the future. 
So we have to do that empathetic listening first. If someone's complaining about the extra work that's needed or how challenging it is to log in because of the password structure or the fact that they've wasted half a day or whatever it is, whatever that complaint is, we have to meet them there, which often means validating and acknowledging literally what they're saying. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry, mate. That's not what we intended. It sounds like there's been a few bumps in the road that we didn't expect. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. I'd be happy to talk to you about maybe um, shifting some of those deadlines that you've got coming up if needed. But before we get into that, though, walk me through what's going on with the system. So if possible, just a genuine acknowledgement of, okay, that sounds important for you. You don't even necessarily need to imply that you agree. It might just be something like, okay, so from your perspective, this doesn't make any sense and the system's completely poorly designed. And from what you've said, it sounds like you're at your wit's end and you're ready to throw your laptop out the window. Okay. (laughs) So a real genuine, like, man, that really sounds like a tough spot to be. And for the depression, I think that's particularly important. If someone says like, I just can't do this. I'm, I'm just not the kind of person that can do this. You don't understand how much stress these kind of things cause me. Look at my hands. They're shaking after all. What we need to do again is to meet them there. What they're actually indicating is that they need support. So what we can do is give them some kind of a reassurance. For example, we want to demonstrate the kind of affect that we want them to have. So speak in a calm and composed voice, respond in a composed way. Even if this is the sixth time they've come in complaining and we're starting to get quite irritated, keeping composed, at least on the outside, is really important. Okay, look, we've talked about this. Is it the same problems that you've had before? Is there something new going on? You know, blah, 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 this is what's happening. Okay, I appreciate that this can be challenging. At the same time, because this is a system that we're moving towards organization-wide, it's important that staff do find a way to manage it. So let's think about then what kind of support you might be needing. So we acknowledge that depression or helplessness or perceived incompetence or whatever it is, and what we don't want to do is add a layer of criticism. If we come across too harsh or aggressive or you know, sort of implying that they've done the wrong thing, of course then what's going to happen is they jump into defensiveness. A mistake that often leads to this is giving too many suggestions, for example. If someone says, you know, I just can't be effed using this new system, I've got no idea why you've implemented it in the first place. And if you jump in with, um, you know, advice, come on, mate, there's so many more functions than you realize, just log in and you'll see how good it can be. Then, of course, we're implying that they're dumb, they've misread the situation, because if it's so good, why would they not want to install it? So, of course, they fill the gap. They start to explain all of the reasons why they don't want to install it. And unfortunately, that tends to then lead to more and more frustration. So I almost think about it as judo, like use their force against them by acknowledging and demonstrating genuine empathy. Yeah, get where you're coming from. At the same time, there's no flexibility here. Let's think about then, you know, just getting you through today. Maybe I could sit with you or we could organize someone else or you can go through that cheat sheet again or... Maybe there's someone else you could ask for help. Like, let's figure it out. But we shift the focus towards the problem solving. Let's think about next steps. Where are you up to at the moment? Have you managed to log in yet? When you say that it's just not working, are there particular areas areas that are coming up? So we shift that focus towards the future after we've done the empathy. So that's generally what I would suggest in terms of the frustration and the depression stages of dealing with change. And it's a little bit counterintuitive, especially if the other person's being quite unfair or irrational. 
like they're complaining about no one ever telling them about anything, but actually there's been 15 different emails from staff about this change coming up. So it's tempting for you then to get frustrated and angry and upset. Of course, that's not going to help. So then the later stages, when you start to notice staff in the experiment stage, so they log into the new system, for example, they start to try it out, albeit tentatively, what we want to do is to give feedback and offer support. Thank you. I can see that three quarters of the team now have logged in and made an account on the first day. That's um, just very grateful. It's meaning that we're able to move forward with the testing quicker. Please let us know any challenges that you're up against, any bugs in the system, and we'll do our best to squash those. Just a reminder that we've got extra staff available over this first week because there's always going to be some kind of teething issues. But at the same time, we want to keep them as small as possible. So communication is probably going to be key. Here's my direct line or phone number, or this is the support email address or whatever. So we're kind of just clarifying those expectations, giving feedback about what difference it's making, that they're actually doing the change that we want them to do, and doing our best to keep the momentum. And then as we move towards the decision, that's where I'd lean more even towards like, what do you need from me? You know, you're in it now, you're doing it. I'm not needing to remind you, is there something that would make your life easier? So there I'd move into the tweaking, the optimization, the problem solving or they're looking at innovation and ways to improve the system moving forward. I suppose what I'm saying there really is the support that people need is much more hands-off and your focus can move towards the bigger picture stuff, which I think for a lot of people is probably what they would like to be focusing on in their leadership role more than the day-to-day nitty-gritty. So I hope that that's been helpful for you, looking at those different stages that people go through when they're dealing with change. And particularly where you might start to see those seeds of conflict being planted, Uh, I think that often gives us a cue about maybe a potential starting point. So beyond that, if staff continued to insist on not doing the thing that we've asked them to do, for example, I would probably then move towards more assertiveness. The starting point might be just curiosity, like, you know, hey, this was the expectation. I noticed that hasn't happened. What's going on? Are there any particular issues that you're dealing with? Is there anything that you need on our end? So at the beginning, I don't want to assume something and therefore come across as overly critical or judgmental, but there will be some level of flexibility where you just can't keep stretching. Like you can tolerate a week maybe for someone to not log into the new system, but if it's been a month and you've still got staff using the old paper one or logging into the old system, that's not something that is acceptable. So you'll need to say, this needs to change. So I think just doing that firmly and clarifying those expectations often is all that's needed. But if that continues, then you'd probably look at using the positive confrontation framework, the what, ask, check model of confronting someone. What, what have they done? Ask, ask for their behavior and then check. So in this example, it might be something like, look, you know, I talked to you last week about logging in and making an account. I've just checked the system and it doesn't look like that's happened yet. Um, Could you please log in and do that before lunch or before close the business today or whatever it is that you're asking them to do right now? Are there any particular issues with this? Are there any questions? Is there anything that you're getting stuck on? So we're very clearly explaining this is the situation and this is what I want you to do. And is there any reason why you're not able to do it? We're sort of turning up gradually, gradually ratcheting up that level of accountability. And then the final stage is probably something like an ultimatum. I often talk about giving an ultimatum as a choice and what you typically would want to do is the positive option second. So I might say something like, look, we still have a number of staff who haven't logged into the new system. 
I just want to be transparent that if you haven't made an account by this date, then you will not be paid for any overtime hours claims catching up on the data. If you can make sure that you've logged in and made an account before this date and you're still not able to get through all of your work, then we can discuss overtime hours as usual. If you continue to do this bad thing, this is what the bad consequence would be. Or if you can do this thing that I'm asking you to do, this is the better consequence for you. And that tends to be a more effective way to do it because it has more emphasis on the solution, the the thing that we're actually hoping that they'll do. So I hope that that's been helpful for you thinking about conflict and managing conflict and and change particularly when you're dealing with it at the organizational front if you would like a similar podcast in the future maybe about dealing with change affecting your family maybe it's divorce and separation or health changes or something else that might be going on i'd be more than happy to um, consider that as a future episode and again just thank you so much for listening and all the best managing the conflict situations that you're dealing with in your life bye for now